Hello, podcasters. My name is Jay, and welcome to my podcasting journal. My mission is to help you become a better podcaster by sharing what I'm learning on my podcasting journey. So, what is a limiter? What are the two types of limiter, and when would you use them? You want to hear some more? Then stick around. Okay, let's get started. You might hear some background noise, podcasters. I'm currently parked in my supermarket car park. It's Friday night, and I had to go and get some shopping, so. Gonna have to record here. Forgive me. I'm using my Zoom lav mic and F2 field recorder. So very curious to see whether it picks up the sounds of the cars that keep coming in and out. Okay, so a limiter has one job, and that's to stop your recording from being too loud. Now there's a lot to that. Before we get into the weeds of this, just to say that the best situation is that we set the gain correctly in the first place when we're recording to make sure that the gain level is high enough to capture a good, clean, loud signal, but low enough that if any unexpected spikes are caught on tape, let's say somebody laughing, or maybe lots of people talking at the same time, or somebody getting excited on their topic, then what we want to make sure is that the audio doesn't touch 0 dB and distort. And this safety gap between the gain level that we set and 0 dB or full scale is called the headroom. The limiter is insurance against any unexpected sounds that exceeds the, the headroom that we've allowed for. So we tell the limiter to look at anything entering the headroom above a, a threshold that we set, the threshold of gain. And then the limiter kicks into action, it grabs the spike and it reduces it. So in principle, this should also catch any spike in the recording that might lead to clipping. Clipping is the distortion we get when the audio hits full scale. And again, full scale is zero decibels. You can see it in your waveform when the signal hits the top of the bar. For mathematical reasons, most of the recording equipment we use, 24-bit and 16-bit, can only capture sounds lower than zero decibels. So anything higher than zero decibels or full scale is distorted. 32-bit float recorders can go above zero decibels, but that technology isn't mainstream yet. I've done a show on 32-bit float recordings that you can check out if you want more details about that. Now we use limiters in two places in the production process. First, we use limiters during the recording. That's where you'll commonly see it. So let's talk about the two types of limiters that are available to us when we're recording. And these are either analog limiters or digital limiters. Now analog limiters are built into higher end microphone recorders and digital interfaces, and they are generally better than digital limiters, but analog limiters are a lot more expensive so to understand why, let's think about the signal chain. At the top of the chain, we have the sound source going into the mic. The mic's internal preamp amplifies that signal and sends it, still as analog, to your digital recorder. And here, the analog signal is converted into a digital signal. Now limiters catch, or analog limiters catch the audio spike before the signal gets converted to digital. So the distortion never makes it onto the tape because the limiter kicks in, reduces the spike, and then what gets converted into the digital signal is the reduced sound, the reduced level. Now, analog signals can be built into the microphone or a digital interface or a recorder, and they're really nice pieces of equipment. But digital limiters are different. They try to correct the distortion after the signal has been converted to a digital signal. So they're... They come up much later in the signal chain after the analog has been converted into digital. What that means 
is that the clipping or the spike has already been captured and converted to digital. Now, if the distortion is a spike that doesn't reach full scale, 0 dB, then that's not so much of a problem and the level can be corrected by the digital limiter. But if the distortion has exceeded 0 dB and then it's converted from analog to digital, it's too late. The spike is already on the signal, on your recording, on your tape, and that digital limiter can't fix clipping. It can't correct distortion over 0 dB. Now, digital recorders can help reduce spikes, as I said, if those spikes are less than 0 dB. But the price you pay is that the limiter is likely to change the sound of your recording, so you may not want to engage them. So what's the point of digital limiters? Well, they save you time in post-production, because if they reduce any spikes while you're recording, you save having to do that manually in post-production. But it can be risky, and I prefer to correct the spikes in post-production using my door because it's, it's more precise. But if you know how the sound will change and you're happy with that, then obviously that's fine. You get to know your recorder. The more you record and the more you use limiters, you'll know what, what changes will be affected. But it's good to know that you have that choice. Now, some mics have limiters built in. Some come with an app with a limiter built into the app. I would say be careful of these apps. They're obviously digital apps. And sometimes they're slow to engage and they're not that effective. So I don't ever use any digital limiters that come with microphones. I'd rather try and do it using my door. So check if your device has a limiter, then figure out if it's analog or digital. More likely to be digital, because as I said, the analog ones are very expensive, high-end options on the pricier equipment. I have a Zoom H6 digital recorder, and that uses a digital limiter, I'm sad to say. So I'm just very careful about setting my gain and estimating how much headroom I need, so I don't want to engage that limiter. And also, I'm recording in environments that I'm very familiar with, so I'm pretty comfortable I know the right gain setting. And as I said, because it changes the sound, you want to use this very sparingly, very subtly. But if you're in a situation that you're going into an environment that's unfamiliar to you, and you're not sure whether you might get sudden spikes in sound, let's say you're recording outside, then engaging a limiter might be a good idea. So that's the first use of a limiter, using it during a recording to try and stop any sudden spikes, unexpected spikes that might exceed your headroom. Now, the second place to use a limiter is in post-production. And in essence, we're usually using it as a tool to increase the amount of headroom in the recording. So let's say you want to normalize or amplify a recording, but the audio might have random peaks or spikes preventing the normalization or amplification being as effective as you need. Because remember that peak normalization or amplification uses the highest peak in your waveform as a basis for any changes, any increases. So if you've got a random spike that's near the top of your that's near full scale, then that could prevent you increasing the rest of your recording's amplification. So what you need to do is somehow reduce these spikes so that you're increasing the headroom to allow you to amplify and normalize. So a limiter could be used here to reduce those peaks, giving you that headroom, and now you can normalize or amplify without any problems. So what are the limiter settings that we use? They're common to most limiters. We usually, the first thing we set is a threshold or input limit. This is the highest level you want the waveform in your audio to reach. And then the other setting is called look ahead or attack. And this is how quickly the limiter engages once it detects that threshold. I think Audacity calls it hold. And release is another setting, which is how quickly the limiter disengages. Now, there is one 
occasion where limiters really come into their own and they're really useful. And that's when you're live streaming or you're doing some sort of live production where your sound is going out real time to a live audience. Now here you can engage a limiter just to make sure that while you're recording live to a live audience that you don't get any sudden spikes. Because it's more likely in a live environment there might be some bangs or crashes or people laugh or cough or sneeze. And if you have a limiter engaged, you make sure that your audience don't suddenly get some distortion coming over. Even if you have a digital limiter, that's still going to be helpful. Because remember, if you're recording, if you're, if you're broadcasting live, then you don't have the option to correct in post. Okay, that's it for today. So set up a limiter and shout into your mic and see whether you can get it to spike. Get to know what your limiter does to your sound when you record so you, you understand before you switch it on what's going to be happening, you're better informed about that. And get some spiky waveforms and practice creating headroom. So reduce those spikes, we sometimes call them transients, in your audio and then try amplifying and you can see the difference. Try amplifying with the spikes and then reduce the spikes and amplify or normalise and you, you'll see the difference that limiting can do. There are obviously other tools that can reduce spikes as well but it's always good to know what the options are out there. So experiment, 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 and whatever you do, podcasters, make sure you're having fun. Bye now. See you tomorrow.